It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Yehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, Inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel sin to provoke me to anger with their sins, surely I will take away the posterity of Baasha. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob begins in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 1, and it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, Inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler of my people Israel. 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 27 tells us that Baasha was head of a conspiracy to kill Nadab, the son of Jeroboam. It tells us nothing of God's hand with Baasha. But here we learn that behind the scenes, God moved even through the conspiracy of Baasha against Nadab. Our God is always working and watching so that His will be done. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. All right, let's open our Bibles to uh, 1 Kings chapter 16. You know, as we go through the book of uh, 1 Kings, I'm reminded uh, again, as I was reading over this this week, you know, just the, the horrible condition of mankind. Apart from Christ, we really are in a lot of trouble. And, and I've proven that with my own life, you know, having lived the first 24 years of my life outside of Christ and, and experiencing all that the world told me was good and living a motto, you know, if it feels good, do it kind of thing. And that's the mantra of today. But it doesn't get us very far. And we find ourselves hungry and thirsty. We find ourselves in that place of, uh, after we've run our wheels to the ground long enough, you, you, you come to figure out pretty quickly that, you know, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be much more, and, and I'm missing something. Something's missing. And that's why, you know, it's so important for us as we read the Word of God to really allow it to challenge you. Hopefully we never get to a place where we put the Word of God on trial, like so many have, but let it put you on trial. May our lives, our hearts, our minds, the, way, the things that we think about, may we allow the Lord to have dominion over those things and to allow Him to have reign over our hearts again. And many of us have known the Lord for some time, but I want to challenge you, don't stop. Don't ever stop where you're at. Because when you stop growing, when you stop learning, 
we, we get into a place where we just fall into a ditch, and then we're, it doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation, but we can lose our effectiveness. We can lose our joy. And, and as I look at this, uh, these chapters in First Kings, I just realize that the depravity of man. And, and, and tonight we're going to be looking predominantly at the kings of Israel. Remember, by this time, the, the united monarchy has uh, disintegrated, and now we have the divided kingdom. Uh, the northern ten tribes um, governed uh, originally by Jeroboam and the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, also known as just Judah, is governed by Rehoboam. And through the process of time, we've already looked at some of this already, we just see one king after another and uh, just fall into darkness and fall into idolatry. And tonight we're going to be looking specifically at the northern ten tribes. The kings of Israel, not the kings of Judah, but the kings of Israel. And we know that the kings of, of Israel never recovered from their idolatry. Their beginnings were idolatrous, and Jeroboam was the cause of it. Building the two golden calves and those two centers of worship, one in Dan in the north and the other one in Bethel in the south. And they never recovered. They, they never recovered. And every single king from Jeroboam all the way until the very last king, before they would be taken into captivity by the Assyrians, every single one of them was evil and wicked and, and forsaking God who had given them, them the promised land. And isn't that just like us if we're not careful? You know, God has given us so many blessings and time goes on and it's so easy just to forget him. And we start thinking about the blessing rather than the blessing giver. And I, I want to encourage you to, to really stir up this idea of thanksgiving in your heart. This gratitude in your heart. Especially in the times that we live in now as things just seem to be, you know, there's, there's glimpses of the, these wonderful times. You know, Roe v. Wade being overturned is such an incredible monumental thing in our country. For nearly 50 years, it had been that way. And it wasn't a right to begin with. It was all based on fallacy. But the precedent was there. But it's so easy for us to get to lose our sights. And I want to encourage you, as we look at this chapter, which is not an easy chapter to look at, um, allow it to startle you, allow it to challenge you, and allow it to stir you up again because I like you I need to be stirred up again I need to be stirred up so let's read chapter 16 and let's just read down through verse 28 and then we'll get right into it okay but notice it says then the word of the Lord came to Yehu the son of Hanani against Baasha saying inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel sin to provoke me to anger with their sins. Surely I will take away the posterity of Baasha and the posterity of his house. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Baasha and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the fields. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha, what he did and his might, are they not written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Baasha rested with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah. 
And then Elah, his son, reigned in his place. And also the word of the Lord came by the prophet Yehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha and his house, because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, in provoking him to anger with the work of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam, and because he killed them. In the twenty-sixth year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Baasha, became king over Israel, and he reigned two years in Tirzah. Now his servant Zimri, a, a commander of half of his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Tirzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, steward of the house in Tirzah. And Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. And then it came to pass when he began to reign, as soon as he was seated on the throne, that he killed all the house of Baasha. He did not leave him one male, neither of his relatives nor of his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the household of Baasha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah his son, by which they had sinned and by which they had made Israel sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri had reigned in Tirzah seven days. And the people were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. Now the people who were encamping heard it, saying and said, Zimri has conspired and also has killed the king. And so Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. And then Omri and all the Israel with him went up from Gibbethon, and they besieged Tirzah. And it happened when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire and died, because of the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he had committed to make Israel sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri and the treason he committed, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And then the people of Israel went, uh, were divided into two parts, half of the people toward Tibni, the son of Ginnath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri prevailed over the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath. So Tibni died, and Omri reigned. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned 12 years. Six years he reigned in Tirzah, and he brought the hill, he bought, excuse me, the hill of Samaria from Shemer of, for two talents of silver, and then he built on the hill, and called the name of the city which he built Samaria, after the name of Shemer, owner of the hill. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and did worse than all who were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the sin of Nebat, and in his sin, which he had made Israel sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. And now the rest of the acts of Omri, which he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Omri rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And then Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. 
a very interesting time in, in Israel's history, and it just seems to get worse and worse and worse, unfortunately, for the, the northern ten tribes. But as we go forward and, and, and toward the latter part of our time together tonight, we will get into uh, verses 29 through 34. And um, in fact, the rest of the, the book of First Kings really revolves around just a couple of characters. Uh, Ahab, the, this king who was one of the worst kings Israel has ever seen. One of the worst, the worst of the worst. There's a lot of ink on the page about him. And along with him are two gentlemen, two prophets that we know very well, Elijah and Elisha. And during Ahab's reign, these two prophets um, were very instrumental in um, pointing out Israel's uh, faults and also uh, desiring to bring them to repentance. And, and so really from here until the very last few verses of this book, is going to be based, after tonight, upon Ahab and Elijah and the ministry of Elijah as well. And so, again, we see, just as we have already read, you know, the horrible way in which sinful man tries to govern himself. When left to himself, man always uh, tries to govern himself the best he can, but because he doesn't have a, a proper foundation, and if, he, if he's not born again, if he's not led by the Spirit of God, man will always fall into the ditch. Man will always rest on his pride and his achievements and, and his skills and abilities. It's just very natural to do that. The natural man seeks the things of the natural. And yet you and I are called to seek those things that are above and not the things on the earth. My anchor, my, my foundation, my compass is no longer the, the Pied Piper that's been piping to me all my life. It's, he's, he's no longer the one I follow. I follow Jesus now. Don't you follow Jesus? You wouldn't be here if you didn't. But we do. We follow him and it's going to be foreign in a world that we live in to follow Jesus. And no one is going to pat us on the back. No one is going to encourage us in this walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. No one will. But this is why we need to do that. But man is utterly incapable of governing himself apart from God. It always goes downhill. All he's capable of doing is creating discord, creating trouble, bringing the judgment of God upon him. And this is why there will be no true peace until the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, comes back for us, his bride, the church, at the rapture of the church, which we hope would be any moment now. Wouldn't that be great before we end the service? It'd be great actually right now. I don't need to finish. I'd be very much. I'd be very happy to be interrupted by the Lord at any time, even even in my most holy moment, whenever that may be. Lord, interrupt, interrupt on a Sunday morning and take us before I even open my mouth and, and impugn myself. <laughs> open heaven and bring us, take us, Lord, to yourself. But until then, there's only going to be you know. Uh, until the Prince of Peace comes back to rule on this earth for a thousand years. Until then, we're going to see corruption. We're going to see sinful man and humanism trying to make its way, trying to express itself. Corruption and murder. Sounds like a lot like today. 
In fact, as I read this chapter, and as we have already read it, it reminds me a lot of the United States. We are in a really bad place. And it's really important that we, as the church, that we repent of things that we know of, that we won't get to a place. I believe the Lord, the Bible says very clearly that judgment starts first in the house of God. Meaning, he wants to deal with us. He wants to change us so that we can be prepared and ready for him, to be used by him in whatever way he chooses. And, and I know that that's his desire, and yet I find myself like that dog who is being taken for a walk that doesn't want to be taken for a walk, and he, he puts out his legs, and the owner is trying to drag him, and he's just like resisting it, and the, and the, and the collar is nearly over his ears because the owner is trying to pull the dog forward. I don't want to be like that. And folks, now is the time. The church, we need to arise. We need to arise out of the dust. We need to shake off our grave clothes. We need to shake off our deadness. We need revival in the church. I need revival. You need revival. Because you can't re... The the term revival means that something was alive, but the flame is going out or has gone out. It needs to be revived. It's not evangelism. We evangelize the lost and the dead, but the church is the only entity that needs to be and can be revived, if it wills, that we don't sound, that we don't become like Israel, because our country has become like Israel, following its idols. It has been for a long time. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And yes, as we read these chapters, and as we read already, we see them sowing to the wind and reaping the whirlwind because they have thrown off and cast off that cord that God has sent. When you think of Psalm 2, you know they've taken this wonderful umbilical cord that's supposed to be attached to God, and they've taken that cord and they said, No, thank you. And they've cast it off from them. And therefore, the child, us, we no longer receive the nutrients from our Heavenly Father. We no longer receive the blessings from God. We're no longer under the spout where the blessings come out. We've decided to cast away His cords from us. Any hope of help, we've cast away. And we wonder why we are at at where we are at today. So we need to learn to walk in God's ways. And may as we read these things, may it really change us because there is nothing new under the sun. I believe that. It's just repackaged in a different form. And Satan never uses a new thing. He always uses the old thing. And the reason he uses the old thing is because it always works. And especially to the natural man who is unregenerate, to the natural man who does not have the Spirit of God in him, he will fall into the ditch and he'll fall to the ploys and the, and the schemes of Satan every single time. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We looked at that as we looked at Matthew 4 on Sundays. The same things that were the Satan deceived Adam and Eve in the garden were the very in the first Adam were the very same things that Satan used on the last Adam, Jesus Christ. The same things, except it didn't work on Jesus. 
didn't work on him. But we need to learn, learn to walk in God's ways and not the ways of man and the humanistic endeavors of the world. And um, So may the Lord give us an awakening in our country and a revival within the church to the end that we and many might be saved. That many might be saved and turn to Christ before the end. And I believe we are very close to the end. Every church is, the church has been saying that for hundreds of years. But I believe we are at the end of the end. And the reason I believe that is because of the signs. Because of the things that are around us. The things that we've been reading in Revelation and how closely aligned. And all these things are getting closer and closer. So close we can almost see them coming to fruition. And yet God in His grace is giving us time. And folks, like Israel and what we've read tonight already, the United States is in that place. We've gone our own way. We've thrown off God. They don't teach Christ in the schools. They teach evolution. They teach critical race theory. They teach gender You can be whatever you want. They'll even give you a bathroom of confusion. So let's look at verse 1 again. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, Inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust. Now, this phrase, I've lifted you out of the dust, this literally is God's way of saying, I lifted you out of obscurity, out of this lowly place. Because this guy, this man, Baasha, wasn't, uh, he was not a son of Jeroboam. In fact, the line of kings uh, had, had been broken already. Because Jeroboam had a son, Nadab. And it's this Baasha that, um, that not only killed Baasha, or, or killed Nadab, but then killed the rest of his family. Killed the rest of the family of, uh, of Jeroboam. But now a man who is not even a son of Jeroboam, now he's, he's just a man of Issachar. He's just a man of Israel. He's not even part of the, the line of Jeroboam. Just a man of Israel from the line of Issachar. Now he's king over Israel after doing this dastardly deed of murdering this man and then killing his whole family. And again, he was fulfilling the word of the Lord, which is kind of interesting, and we'll get into that. But notice what it says in verse 2, that God says, I've lifted you out of the dust and I've made you ruler over my people. Are you, and, you, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people sin to provoke me to anger. Isn't that interesting? God could say, I've made you ruler over my people. And when he says this, uh, that he made Baasha ruler over his people, it, it means that God allowed it. It doesn't mean that he forced it, that he made it to happen. He allowed it to happen based on Baasha's evil and treacherous actions of his own heart. See, there's God's perfect will and then there's God's permissive will. When he allows something to happen, even though it's not his will to happen, he will allow things to happen. And that's why, that's why people struggle so much. Why did God allow that infant to be run over by a car? Why did he allow that, that person who had never been married and you know, on their wedding day, you know, she got in a car and had to go do something and, and she was killed? In it. Why, God? I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings.
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.